We want to start off this morning, as we always do, by praising the name of our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we praise His name for so many things, but especially for His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who has redeemed us and made us a child of the King, a child that is secure in our faith, a child that is secure in our salvation. And I just want you to think about this idea of mentoring or coaching, because as we have said, our mission statement as a church family is being disciples who love and live like Jesus. And that is a high calling. It is not easy to love like Jesus loved or to live like Jesus lived in all the areas of our life, but we do surrender and we strive to be like the Lord and we examine ourselves constantly to make sure that our eyes are on Him, that He is first and it's not about ourselves ever. And so in trying to fulfill this mission statement, we've said here are five core values that we have talked about through September. Today is core value five. We said core value one is celebrate who God is at our Sunday morning worship. If you want to fulfill the mission statement in your life, no matter where you are in the world or in the country or right here At Kentwood Christian Church, it is important that you celebrate who God is at our Sunday morning worship service. On the first day of the week, the church gathered, the the church assembled to worship and praise Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews reminds us, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but as you see the day approaching... Gather, assemble, keep focused on the Lord. Core value two was connect with one another in a small group. Just just get into a group of people that are focused on looking at God's Word, sharing your lives and how God is working in your lives, sharing God moments, praying together, singing together, but we connect with one another because we know that where two or three people gather in the name of the Lord... Even in their imperfection, in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ is there in a unique way. We can say in one hand, God is always with us in some way. Because God is omnipresent, but there is a unique presence of the Lord when two or three gather in His name. So we connect with one another in a small group. Are you in a small group? We want you to be. We'll help you to get in one. But you will be blessed by that. That's core value two. Core value three was simply contribute to God's mission by tithing and serving. Give of your time. Give of your talent. Give of your financial resources. Give of your life to the Lord and let us come together and unite in doing that very thing. And core value four that we talked about last week was commit. 
Commit to being a student of God's Word and to prayer. It should do all of our hearts good to know that we have quality people that love our children downstairs, coaching them, mentoring them to pursue the Lord. Core value number five is in your life, coach someone in their walk with Jesus Christ. That's why we opened up with the scripture reading out of Hebrews that says, be very careful in your life and and don't turn away from the living God and don't let your heart become hardened by sin's deceitfulness, but be involved in one another's lives, encouraging each other with God's truth so that we stay the course and are faithful to God because when people come together and they share what's going on in their life and how God has brought them through something, they are able to share that with someone else. There's many of us here who've gone through many things, very difficult and hard things. And God has brought us through faithfully. And you can be at any age and have experienced that process in your life. And that's not just for you, I don't think. I don't think it's just for you to have gone through it and you found the Lord dependable and worthy, but God gives those experiences to us because we start to see they're beginning to walk and go and experience something that's difficult that I've been through and I can come alongside them and help them in the process. I really do hope that you desire for being a disciple who truly lives and loves like Jesus. Mentoring, coaching others in their walk with Jesus is critical. So the young kids learning Joshua's story and walking around the Jericho city and the walls come tumbling down. How important is that for them to learn in their young life? I want to share something with you that's taking place at least at one major, major university in the South around Atlanta. Begin getting these texts. And this is what is happening on these campuses. And these young people, 22, 24, 25 years old, theology degrees... So God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The scripture tells us that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Joseph, they were the patriarchs of faith. Amen? First text. Patriarchy is a curse. That's being taught in our secular major university. Also, we evolved from apes. And that's why we don't have authority over any of the other creations on earth. Patriarchy is a curse. We evolved from apes. 
and therefore we don't have dominion over the animal kingdom. Serious stuff. Listen to this one. Adam was created with no gender because the initial intention for creation was meant to not have assigned gender. But if you've never read the Bible to know that the Lord God created them male and female in His image, but Adam was created with no gender because the initial intention was for creation uh, and to be genderless. And when God created Eve, He changed creation and made genders. So perfection in God's creation would be genderless, which is what we will be in heaven. And as you see the downward progression and the devilishness of it and the satanic theme of it, it spirals down and worse with the final text. Now discussing why animals could not be adequate partners for humanity. Because early humans incorrectly believed that they had dominion over animals. Now this is for you parents with kids that's still under your roof. And you better listen. You better be in the Word of God yourself. And you better make sure that you're taking every advantage of teaching your children yourself and that your children are in Sunday school classes where they are getting a constant diet of God's Word. Because if this is what is happening in secular universities where you can get master's degree in theology and this is what's coming out of that, where will it be in 10 years or 15 years? This very thing, does it not affect one's salvation? To believe that you came from apes? To believe that you can cohabitate with an animal? To believe that we are genderless? God, save us from this corrupt generation. And so, you can't sit back and we can't wait. The righteous might of God in the lives of believers that are filled with the Spirit in humble, loving boldness have to rise up and coach others in their walk with Jesus or challenge each other that aren't having a walk with Jesus. That that there is a truth and there is a right way that leads to life. And if we don't do it in our lives as God has called us to be His, if the church worldwide doesn't do it, then who will? 
And so Proverbs 27, 17 from the Old Testament reminds us all, as iron sharpens iron, so one person, one man sharpens another. You see, in the the spiritual walk with the Lord, we may have friends, and that's good, and we may watch football games, and we may do all kinds of fun things together and fellowship. But as a believer, the heart of what we are about should be exposing people to the Lord. Any venue that we have an affiliation with, we should wear our faith boldly, courageously, but lovingly. One person said to me a couple of weeks ago, uh, can't wait to party and get drunk. And I just like, I don't know how you can do that. You're, you say you belong to the Lord. And, and Scripture teaches us. Do you, you know that Scripture teaches that we're not to get drunk? There's never, ever a good reason to get drunk. And the only reason that's a good reason is because God says so. And that's good enough for me. Because getting drunk causes people to be out of step with God's will. And if you're out of step with God's will, that should be a concern to those that want to be a disciple who loves and lives like Jesus. And so in this passage that we're going to look at, it is Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4. We'll start at verse 13. There's a few verses of chapter 4, and then it transitions to chapter 5. And we're going to work through up to verse 11. But I want you to be convicted today that your life should be and is intended to be used by the Heavenly Father to engage other people with His truth. That is why the Great Commission that is for each and every one of us to go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything He has commanded us is what God has given His church. Last week we ended with 2 Timothy 3.16 that says all Scripture is God-breathed. It comes out of God and it's useful. Its purpose is for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, and for training so that the person of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As Paul would say later, so that we're always ready to give an answer for what we believe in relationship to Jesus Christ. Listen, there are some doctrines that we all might have disagreements on. We're, we're, we're being disciples, right? Being is intended to imply its development. We're growing, we're maturing. 
So we might have different views on certain things, and those views change in the culture and time. Uh, before my time and my culture, one of the big things that I remember as I was just beginning to preach in a little country church in Eagleville, Tennessee, they would tell me the stories because they were the churches back then that you'd have a week-long meeting. And the big issue was, could you eat in the church or could you not eat in the church? And it was like a doctrinal thing. I mean, it was a big battle. And uh, this one couple uh, that uh, had plugged in a coffee pot too early, and that coffee, you know, the aroma of the coffee started coming up during the worship time. And this one couple, I just remember their last names, Fagans, were so upset that coffee was brewing in the basement and they could smell it, got up, walked out, and the story is they just never came back. They went to another church five or six miles away. I remember a lady named Helen Wright that really struggled. Can we eat? You know, it's... And we talked that through and things, and and she, like, came to peace with it. But there's a lot of things that's silly. There's a lot that's ridiculous, and there's some that's really important to us that just are hard things to understand, and we are at different places where God is taking us. But there is no disagreement among God's people about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and it is through His blood that we are cleansed and God is Father and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one but they're unique and they're different and the Spirit comes to live in the believer when we confess His name and give ourselves in baptism to be clothed with Him and wear the robe of righteousness not because of anything that we've done but because of a faith that we've taken and stepped out and placed in Him and by His grace we are saved and then we are workmen work people striving to please the Lord and grow in every way. Amen? I mean, that's... But that's not what the kids have. Lord God, help us. If it's your child, don't you hope that there's someone that could come alongside them and coach him and say, so what animal do you want to unite with and partnership with for life? A duck? And help them think through the process. Gender. God created them male and female. Now I know there are people that struggle. And they struggle with their identity. And they struggle and some seem to be legitimately struggling. But that doesn't mean that we change everything that God says because we change nothing that God says. God says if you add to or take away from my word, you will be cursed. And so the word of God is precious to us and we approach it humbly and asking God to reveal to us his truth. And there are genders. Male and female. As we'll talk about a little bit next week, we may have a lot in common, but I absolutely know beyond a shadow of a doubt, with a thus saith the Lord, the plumbing's different between a man and a woman. 
brothers and sisters. You know, Paul is saying that to us. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed. We do not want you to... We want you to know that those who sleep in death, that uh, you don't have to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, I just sit around here and look at the people that's lost husband, wives, children. And it's not easy. It is not easy to lose your mate, your partner, your wife, your husband. For those of us that are blessed enough to have our spouse still by our sides, just take a moment and imagine you sitting here by yourself. There's nothing more important to me than having Danielle by my side. But last week at the congregational meeting, it seems like every time I say, I think we're finally getting her medication right, that just seems to fall apart and her heart's been racing most of yesterday and all night last night and Back to the doctor we'll go tomorrow sometime, I'm sure. It's like, I'm not going to say anything else when it's going good. But I couldn't imagine my life without her. But I may have to, you may have to, some of you are. This text says to you, you do not have to grieve like the rest. Your life itself on this earth is a vapor and it's brief. It's a mist. And God has promised you that you will be reunited with your loved ones, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your child. Your challenge is through your tears and heartache and pain, to find joy and renewal through God's Word and promises so that you can continue on in faith with Him. We don't lay down in the grief for very long. Because we, if we are supported in God's Word and standing strong in it, know that Only God can carry us through that loss and through those tears and through that heartache and through those emotions that wax and wane at different times, but our God is great and our God is good and we will see our loved ones if they love the Lord. See, there's there's nothing easy to say for someone that they didn't love the Lord. God wasn't a part of their life. Because there is no promise of eternal life in His kingdom in heaven. We've sort of lost that in this last generation, my generation, where we've, we've just lost the idea that a walk with the Lord 
And faith in Jesus Christ is critical. It always comes down to the funeral where, well, they said this or they said that or they believed this or they believed that. And, and all that may be true, but boy, what a blessing it is to, to preach a, a funeral service where the individual has walked with the Lord a long time. But it's true, there are people that come to Christ in the 11th hour and praise God for that. But there's no preacher that can preach anybody into heaven. Heaven is reserved for those who are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and only for those who look to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and see His Word as an anchor for their soul. The Lord is coming, Paul is writing. Don't grieve like the rest of mankind. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. What a beautiful picture. Don't know all the details, how the the tombs will empty and some will be caught up. But, But this here, talking about the coming of the Lord, Paul says that the dead that depart, they're, they're with the Lord in some way, and when the Lord comes back, they come with Him. The person that you love, that love the Lord that's not with you in this life, they're not dead. They're with Him. So take heart. Be of good cheer. They are not dead. They are with the Lord. That's a reality. That's a truth. And we can celebrate that. We're just sort of waiting like for the great family gathering to be reunited and sit around the great banquet table for the wedding feast. Cling to it. According to the Lord's word... We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven. How magnificent will that be? With a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. There's the trumpet again. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Isn't that beautiful? I'm terrified of heights. I really am. But I know whenever the Lord, if He comes back before I pass from this life, I'm going to be caught up in the air, and I really do look forward to this because I know it's just going to happen. The Lord's got it. It'll be good, and... uh, But, oh, can you imagine? You're left until the Lord comes. Your loved ones, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents that love the Lord, you don't even know them. 
are all coming back with the Lord and then you're caught up and you're changed and you're with them. Tell me that's not going to be just one of the most fantastic moments of celebration when God makes everything right again. Oh. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, church, there's a lot of things you can do to encourage people. Send them a card thinking of you. Take them a meal thinking of you. Those are spiritual virtues and disciplines, and God honors them. But it is time that the people of God start using the Word of God to encourage people along in their faith. We need to talk about the resurrection. We need to talk about death. We need to talk about life after death. We need to come along each other and coach each other in our walks with Jesus. Encourage one another with these words. The Lord is coming back. The trumpet will sound. The archangel will shout. The dead will be raised and those that are alive will be caught up. And we will be with the Lord forever. So hold on. Hang on. Don't let go. Don't let your heart become hardened. Don't grow weary. Keep doing good. Oh, praise God. for I can't wait to see my dad. My grandma and my grandpa, I loved them. I've only heard stories of my great-grandparents, how they loved the Lord. About two of them were ministers. I just look forward to meeting and talking and seeing and to see my 17-year-old brother again. I look forward to that. And whether I go before D, she goes before me, I'm going to get through that process. And I hope you'll get through your processes by looking and clinging to the Lord and His Word. But if you are here and you've not made the decision to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, to surrender your life to Him, to be baptized in the watery grave, what is taking you so long? I pray that God moves in your heart. I don't want you to do it out of fear. I don't want you to do it out of manipulation. But what? Why wait? Today is the day of salvation is what Paul says. And when Paul says that, he's saying we have a time frame of God's grace by which we can come to Him. So why not come today? Why are you waiting? If you close your eyes in death, and you've not given yourself in this way to the Lord, you have no hope of seeing your loved ones. You have the only thing to view is a long separation of eternity from God, wandering like a star in outer darkness. And that's the reality. A man is destined to die once and then face judgment, the Hebrew writer says, chapter 9, verse 27. So moms and dads, all the more reason to make sure that the faith that you're trying to 
teach and share your children is genuine and authentic and that they are coming to the Lord in their own way because your faith can't save them. Your faith can guide them. Your faith can point them. But you better be pointing, not waiting to the last minute. I've talked to parents who later in life, they come to faith and they're saved. But they've waited so long, and praise God, they've come to the Lord, whether it's 60, 70, or 80 years old. I've talked to all these different groups. But now their kids, their kids are are 40 and don't want anything to do with it. It's foreign to them. Oh, Lord, prick our hearts to love your word and to love you and to love the people around us and to encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, Paul continues, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. You know, we have all these, for lack of a better word, wackos trying to tell us this is when the Lord's going to come or that's when the Lord's going to come and let's all gather here or gather there because here's when the Lord's coming. We see it in Bible prophecy and we see this and we add that up and there's when it's going. Nobody knows. Paul, who talks about all Scripture coming out of God, says it will happen unexpectedly. It will happen suddenly. It will happen just like a thief is coming to break into your house at night. So, you know very well this is the truth, what Paul says. So you have to be prepared and always watching, always vigilant. While people are saying, peace and safety. Peace and safety, it's okay. Hey, I'm looking forward to next week. We can do this and we can do that. And James basically says, how foolish are you? Your life is like a vapor. You don't even know if you'll be here tomorrow. And you're planning on building a bigger barn? Well, go make your plans then, but I advise you not to because you might not be here. You seek the Lord first, what His will is for you to do in this life, and you do it there. But peace and safety... Destruction will come on them suddenly. It's destruction. Are you building your house on the rock? Or are you building your house on the sand? Because there is a day coming, the day of the Lord, that destruction will fall on those who are saying peace and safety and everything is good and right. But the person that's being a disciple who loves and lives like Jesus knows that it could happen any moment and that I need to stay close to the Lord and that I need to encourage those around me with the words of God so that they will either find the Lord, be convicted by the Spirit, and give themselves to the Father or at least have a point where God used me to try my best to convict them through His Spirit. But on that day, there will be no excuses. Lord, you didn't show me. Why didn't you work in my life in a different way? We are without excuse. 
as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. If all of a sudden the Lord came, would you, would you really be surprised? Well, hopefully we wouldn't. I mean, it might be a little bit of a, you know, like, I, I hear the trumpet, and here comes the Lord in the clouds. Like, that'd be exciting, and it might startle us a little bit, but in a good way. But, like, to be taken aback on what's, what's happening and, and separation and destruction and the goats to the right and the sheep to the left and eternal damnation, eternal life. I mean, that's what we are dealing with here. This is the heart of why Jesus came into this world to rescue, to rescue sinful people. You are all children of the light. And children of the day, we do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let's be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. I may not know when He's coming, but I know how He will come. And it doesn't matter if I'm in my bed at 3 a.m. sleeping, or I'm at the church office working, or sitting at Panera Bread visiting someone, whatever you're doing in your life, when He comes... Whether we're awake or whether we're asleep, as His children, our soul is secure. And I thank God for that precious promise for me, for you, and for those of His church. And then He ends, just like He did in verse 13 of chapter 4, Therefore, encourage. That word encourage doesn't mean like, Hey, Ron... Just hang in there, brother. That's a very rich word. It is uh, literally to call someone. It's like, hey, I see something about Ron, or I see something about Jeremy, or I see something about Carol, and they're going through something, and their hearts are heavy, and, you know, you just never know. You don't want them to get discouraged. You don't want them to have a sinful, unbelieving heart. So the word literally means... You, you call someone over to yourself. You, you, you summon them to yourself. And they come along your side, literally. Come along your side, literally. Look up the word. To call, summon someone to your side. That's core value number five. Coach others in their walk with Jesus. We've got young men in this church that's never really had father figures. We got widowers and widows that are struggling. We got young people trying to decide what they're going to do and who they're going to be. And we need to call others to our side and coach them in their walk with Jesus. The words probably, as you call them to your side, you bring them comfort. I think comfort's the stronger word probably from the Greek than even encourage, but it's all the same. But call to your side, encourage, and walk with. And then church family and build each other up. 
And the Greek word there is the idea of erecting a house from a foundation. And as we know, Christ is the true foundation. And that's what people are building their lives on. We build each other up. We never are intended to tear each other down. Stop tearing each other down. I love Abraham Lincoln's quote. He says, if you look for the bad in people, you will surely find it. You know, I I have to believe, as I look at my own life, I think that my life's probably about like yours in many ways, whether we look back through the years, that if we looked hard enough, we might find some bad. We might find some unfavorable things. But you know, I've also come to realize that people, you never know what they're going through, what they're facing, what they're dealing with. And we don't need to be like the world where we tear each other down because the command is for those who desire for being disciples who love and live like Jesus is to build one another up. May God bless you. May His face shine on you. And may you truly desire to live for Him in a way that you love and live like Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand as we go into our time of prayer and worship. And today, I'm just going to ask us, as our prayer teams come forward and are around the building, just to to focus today, maybe, on whatever your needs may be for a prayer partner, but specifically asking God to put in your mind, your heart, your spirit, someone that He would have you called to yourself, to come alongside you, so that you could coach them, not in an arrogant, prideful way like you've got it figured out. We're still trying to get the board out of our own eyes. But just to come alongside and love and encourage in the joy of the Christian spirit. Who is that person that God is calling you to invite to church? Who is that person that God is saying you need to share Jesus with? So let us pray together, let us worship together, and let us partner with our prayer teams. God bless you.